Welcome back everybody to Top Shelf, a guide to high quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. Oh, Clint is sounding fresh, getting close up into that mic, boom, I'm just saying it's sounding good. Thank you, thank you. All All right. Right. I almost threw it out. Yeah, um, today we are season two, episode six, and I want to catch it right away in the butt. Clint was way off. Today is episode three. He was under the medication last uh, episode. And so now this is actual, the real episode 11, his hockey number. We're feeling it. We're believing it. Yeah. Today, we are going to be talking about leading within a clutter-free environment, both physically and mentally. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good, right? And... As a leader, hiding from your weakness, what the do's kind of and don'ts about um, hiding from those weaknesses. And then we are cocktail du jour for you guys. And this is Clint's pick. One I haven't had in a very long time, actually, is the classic martini shaken, not stirred, the 007 style. So we're going to get right into that. We're icing some glasses here. I'm a little bit nervous that they don't fall off the table. But uh, we're getting ready for it. We're priming it. And uh, look forward to sharing that with you. We're making it with gin. Well, 007 does the vodka. But, you know, I prefer I'm a gin man going with the gin. Uh, more flavor. More flavor. More flavor. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so our current event, Clint. Big news. I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. What is it? It's a big one. This is a big one. It's not so much impactful to us in our local environment in Canada, but I think it will bleed over a little bit just with some structures and controls. But it is the Silicon Valley Bank, and we'll refer to it as SVP or SVB um, demise or the bankruptcy that it's going through right now. And what are the impacts, not only from the people that that are part of it, but... I want to talk from a leadership perspective around it as well. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, important to do because I think there's a lot of things we can learn from from this. And I mean, I'm not a banker and neither are you, but uh, I do think the ripple effect from this is is absolutely going to be uh, something that's going to be on everyone's radar in the upcoming future here. So yeah, and there's going to be there's going to be some more changes coming about, and there'll be changes in Canada. There'll be changes in all of the world global banks for sure. You know and. You know, we could talk about bank runs and what they are, and we could talk about, you know, the financial side of it. But we, me and Clint, are not um, the, the financial experts. You guys can look it up as well. But we are somewhat of a leadership. You know, we provide the leadership perspective of this. Yeah, right. Great. So, great. Clint, hit, just hit me with just some facts, numbers about the, this bank uh, of size, just so we can give the the. The, the people that haven't or don't understand what SVB is or, or their value or valuation. What size of a bank was, was this? Yeah, so they were the 16th largest bank in the United States, so within the country of America. Um, they obviously, they have branches all over the world, but yep. you know, large, 16th largest bank in the country, um, carrying over $209 billion worth of assets. $209 billion. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so from a portfolio, so now putting that in perspective... We're a leadership group, and we're we have a board of directors that manage all this. And what we what we've been hearing is that this was a black swan event. 
or, or black swan managers had this this control or this this like banking. An, an unprecedented event something that just nobody ever thought would happen is that the I definition struck, yeah, of a black that's swan? the definition of okay, a black yeah. swan is I'm, it, I'm, I'm curious yeah, an unforeseen uh, event or an unprecedented event um, happening and I would I would challenge from a leadership perspective that I know that there were some data analysts that were looking at SVB three four months ago and they had made some significant headways that there were issues and concerns about the bank and the bank not having the ability to pay the the bills, not having the ability to pay the the debt, and the interest rates were climbing, and so it was offsetting the bonds that were buying. So the bonds had less value than what they were purchasing them at. What does that all mean? I think leadership had a huge failure here, where they did not have the proper people in the risk management side of the business, and yeah. It, there's, it's too much. I don't believe this to be a black swan event. I, I believe this just to be a failure on leadership. Right? There was discussion, me and Clint we were talking back and forth before we joined the, the podcast, and they were having trouble finding people with the skill sets because of their significant growth to have a risk risk kind of management portfolio or someone leading the risk of a business. Yeah, I got a quote from the Wall Street Journal here. It says that current and former employees said the SVB's risk division struggled to hire staffers to keep up with the bank's growth and was subject to repeated reorganizations. The SVB relied heavily on outside consultants is what one employee said. Yeah, outside consultants to help with this a $200 billion bank. You know, that's a failure within itself. We should be, you know finding the right people and or taking a step back and going hey we, we got a slow growth a little bit let's understand our risk portfolio let's understand and let's write our risk register even with small businesses if you're out there and you're starting a small business you're an entrepreneur or you're working for a company there should be a form of risk register uh, you should understand the, the risk performer within your business if you're taking on new business you should understand those risks ahead of time instead of just doing the work and, and seeing the risk at the end, or it can really upset. And now this company is going to go be bankrupt. It's going to be Well, or thinking that this would never happen to you. I think that's a huge failure, you're right, on leadership. Um, the CEO was quoted in a um, an update he was giving to shareholders back in January where, where the questions were came came to be, you know, hey, are you worried about this risk of high interest rates and the federal bank bank jacking up interest rates? And, yeah. and he's like, well, it's nothing we've never gone through before. I think we're going to be able to, you know, navigate the waters quite clearly. It's And he kind of just like water off a duck's back type of deal. So um, I got another little tidbit here as well. Is, yeah, it, and, and this is. is specific to what we're talking about. And I think that that's the catalyst of the conversation is that the risk management piece. So you said risk register, but you know, risk management risk plan. Manage. Yeah, register is um, the part of it. You're yeah. getting together with your team and all the key stakeholders within your business or your department mm -hmm. and you're, you're developing a risk management plan. Yep. Understanding what are these risks um, and poor risk management policies and ability to, and an inability to adjust to a rising interest rate environment was the you know was the downfall of SVB right so um, and I think that's why it's an important topic for us to talk about today yeah and I mean when you're growing a business you know in, in the in the early early stages of your business you may not need a risk manager 
Um, you could you can tackle it yourself, if, depending on the size. But then, as you slowly grow, and in this state, in this case, SVB really grew quite quickly. They never brought, I think, the right people in to manage the risk and even identify the risk. We're just gonna we're just gonna ro- roll it roll through it. Yeah, it sounds um, like they grew exponentially throughout COVID, um, as opposed to some of their competition or other banks. Right, they quadrupled in size. And they're trying to patch holes in the ship as they're sailing along. And, and I think the risk management division within that organization was one of the areas that they failed in. Yeah. And that's yeah. obviously... But, what or omitted. Maybe even omitted, right? So Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. Yeah, this, I mean, you know, this, the, the, everyone feels like they're ironclad. This can never happen to us. We're so strong. We know. have so much money. Totally. Yeah, yeah, we have we're so a bank. Many. Like, you know, we're going to get bailed out if something does happen. Like, you get all this kind of, you know, peacocking going on. And you're not even thinking about risk. Right, right. And, and the, the, the sad thing is, and Clint looked this up as well, the the the, the executive team and, and the people working at SVB got their bonuses a week before this this incident happened. So 42 or $46 billion, or no, sorry, $46 million. Was it yeah, it was, it was the UK branch, branch got their bonuses. Yeah, it was a yeah. few days before this happened. And one of the employees was on record saying that he was actually out with some of the executive team the night before the big market crash. And nobody... Nobody was even talking about it. Nobody even knew it was happening. So your point earlier is that you're you don't think it was um, you think it was the fault of the leadership and it wasn't a black swan event. I'm kind of on the fence. I feel like maybe like the leadership obviously had a, a, a part to play and they could have done a lot better with their risk management side of things. But also when you know if you don't know what you don't know, if like if something's happening that like but you got to know the markets. These guys are. People that are taking True. people's money, billions of dollars. It's true. You, if you don't know the market and you don't know the market's going to collapse or you don't know that they're going to be a bank run or that people are going to need their money. And I mean, you know that your bonds you were buying, what they were buying is has less value. Yeah. They do. Well, you know, yeah. And they were and they were selling shares to, to gain cap, to, to raise capital. Raise capital. Yeah. Um, you know, the. Uh, it, it, all over the news, and this is not like news to anybody that's listening, but it's the biggest bank failure since t- the t- uh, 2008 recession. And you're thinking that's 15 years ago. Do and some of these learn? people that are within these roles may not even have been around then, or maybe weren't even. Or maybe they're the same people. Well, they could be the same people. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, a good because point. they are protected. Yeah, these yeah. people will find other jobs. This is the sad part of this business, and the sad part about being at that upper echelon. These people will get fired, and and they'll be transitioned into another bank, and they'll be the head of another bank. I mean, they're or protected. they have enough money that they start their own. Enough, they'll just start their own company. You know, yeah, so, they could. Yeah. 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 But you're right. You're right. I mean, this is a high. I think with SVB, for all intents and purposes, they are a, a very unique bank on how they structured their business. Um, yeah, their focus was a small early days. Small. Yeah. Yeah, and and but they also had lots of clientele, and they they're from what I've read, they're they're very big on um, what is it like schmoozing engagement and, and yeah. engagement and stuff like that. Yeah. So they, they're well liked individuals. So I'm I'm sure they're all going to land on the yeah. feet. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump, we're going to, I mean, we talked a lot about this, but I thought I was passionate about it to share with everybody, like, you know, you have to understand risk within business and, and the, sure. the importance of it. And we're seeing this on a mass scale with SVB, you know, 200 plus billion dollar uh, bank basically now up for auction. So, Well, in all levels of risk, right? In yeah. our industry, on we all. talk about risks from a financial perspective, but health also safety, from health yeah. and safety. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. You have to incorporate all levels of risk, things that could um, damper your project and how things are going. 
um, I was a little tentative to talk about this subject. You know, it's it's a little bit uncomfortable for me in the sense that I'm not a financial wizard, and and you know, I, at first I wanted to talk. Let's talk WBC. Let's talk baseball. You know, um, but when you brought up risk management and and that really um, strung or struck true with me, and I thought, yeah, this is great. I mean, this is absolutely the topic we need to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for introducing that. I appreciate. Yeah. It. No, absolutely. Uh, we will. Uh, Put a pin in it. We'll move on from SVB, and we will move into leading within a clutter-free environment, both physically and mentally. And what what I want to get through about this, we we kind of went back and forth what we were going to call this part of the episode or or this learning lesson is is basically having an organized mind, an organized workspace, and having systems and storage. You know where we're going to store our software, our our information, how we're going to store it in an organized fashion. Yeah, and I want to lead in by saying, don't have spaghetti on your desk as as a leader, as a leader and a professional. And I have um, something I want to say real quick uh, to that because that is a very important topic. Is Vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready. To you know what we need? Bombs, but he keeps we need somebody running like a uh, sound. No, you sound like a soundboard person here. And Clint's pumping the spaghetti from uh, Eminem. Don't have spaghetti on your desk. And when I talk about spaghetti, I talk about being disorganized or disheveled at your desk. Having you know pens and paper and and post-it notes everywhere, coffee cups, it sends a message to your people that being disorganized is okay, and it it kind of adds a level of chaos that you don't need as a leader, for sure. You know why is it why is it important to be organized? And for me. Um, as as a as a person that loves to be kind of neat and tidy and and structured within my working confines is it allows me to stay focused. It allows me to stay engaged on the task. There isn't a shiny thing on my desk where I go, oh, shiny thing. I try to have my phone a certain place or a certain distance away away from me so I can focus. Um, it allows me to have free thought flow as well. So having a clean yeah. desk allows free thought flow when I'm working. There's less distractions, right? Absolutely less stress, distractions. Yeah, for sure. Another thing we talked about before we jumped on to is the the location of your desk and how you have your desk situated. So if you're in an office and let's say you've earned your right to a window, uh, window space, but let's say that you are an individual that is easily distracted. Maybe you don't want your screens, computer screens, facing the back of the of the window because a bird flies by and now you are looking at the bird or a construction worker is cleaning windows. Now you're watching the construction worker. It may be for you, it'd be best to turn your position of your chair to face the door. Now I'm an open yeah. I'm an open door policy leader and I'm kind of oblivious to people that walk around. I like to focus in. But if you're an individual like a cat that somebody walks by and goes, oh, somebody's there, and you lift your head up, every time you lift your head up from your work to see people walk by is time that your mind has to now reset, refocus, and re-engage in the work you want to try to do. I don't, I'm not sure 
you know, you can prove me wrong, science, Clint, but are you getting your full effort if you're up, if you're lifting your head every few minutes just because someone walks by? No, I mean, you're right. But, you know, it depends on the person. Are yep, you easily, are are you, are you easily are you distracted, distracted or are you not? Yes, yeah, that's right. right. And what are you working on? Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the mental side of things, and, and it's exactly that, right? It's like keep your phone on silent. You know, you're sitting in the office and your phone's bing, bing, bing. One, one trick I do is I always put it on mute, and then I periodically will check my phone to make sure I haven't missed anything that's crucial or important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife knows how to get a hold of me if there's an emergency at home. It's not necessarily always through my cell phone, right? So, um, you know, put the social media apps away, put the games away, um, mentally prepare for the day, right? You know, you'd like, you're, you're saying no spaghetti on your desk, but get that spaghetti out of your head, right? You're thinking about the dentist appointment tomorrow. You're thinking about finances at home and how you're going to afford the new windows and this and that. Like, you got to park all that. I said that last episode. Yeah. Park that shit at the door. You got to focus on the task at hand. You're a leader. You're getting paid to be there. You got to focus on that job. Now, you may need to clear your mind. You know, I talk to some you leaders that like to meditate. Yeah. Um, They'll go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually used to like doing the coffee or like, you know, the water cooler thing, right? They get out and start talking to some of the people that I don't even work with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You walk over to engineering and you tap a guy on the shoulder, hey, what are you working on? And just something that gets you off topic to kind of clear your brain. It's like um, the fragrance department at uh, at the bay and they'd have a little cup of coffee beans. You have smell to like, coffee. yeah, you get yeah. to smell reset. coffee to reset, right? So um, for me, it was a coffee. It was a water cooler talk that would really do that for me or going for a walk. But here's here's something I will share with you too. You don't want to walk through another group or an organization, tap people on, on the shoulder or interrupt them because maybe they don't want to be interrupted, true, right? Because they're focusing. So, yeah, you know, point. water cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Around the water cooler. If there's people there, have the chat while the coffee's being made or having a snack. Um, I, I mean, I, I used to like to walk around, but I would also also respect. Um, For sure, the, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should have rephrased that. The cubicle you know, farms you, can be you dangerous. See, you see two two people talking shop in a cubicle, yeah. and it, you, it feels like it's an open door yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. kind of join in. But yeah, somebody's on a call or they're in the middle of typing something. I'm not going to tap them on the shoulder, but but yeah, I meant like getting out and actually. Spending that time, sometimes alone is important, but sometimes actually just using that opportunity to actually get to know some other individuals within mm-hmm. the organization. Yeah. I think it's, it, you know, there's some value there. So, yeah. um, but no, I agree. Like I, for some reason, I like to always sit facing north. It's kind of like um, how I have my bed in my bedroom, my head mm-hmm. facing north. It's like my internal compass just wants to face See, that. everyone, yeah, you, everyone has something, yeah. right? You have an internal compass. Some people like to face a certain way. Some, some people want to be close to the exit. To, to the doorway. Yes, yes, right? yeah, Some people right. want to be in the corner because the corner is the quietest place. Or maybe you're, you're afraid of heights and you're on the 15th floor of a tower. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So yeah. there's all these different things. And, and, and another thing when we're talking about uh, organized mind space and or, you know your workspace is also your office ergonomics. Yeah. How you, you know, you may be one of those individuals that likes to stand up or you might like to fluctuate standing up, sitting down. Make sure you find your comfortable place most organizations will support you to get the most productivity out of you um the stand-up desks are literally 200 dollars now and you can actually get them where they sit on top of a normal desk very cost effective solution and that gives you that fluctuation if you are an individual that's kind of antsy maybe you're the person that doesn't doesn't want a chair and you want to sit on one of the balls the the yoga balls because you bounce around a lot and you're fidgety 
whatever whatever finds your way to get your comfortable to into your zone whatever helps whatever helps you as long as it's ergonomically correct right and there's some there's some companies that actually have ergonomic divisions right and they'll yeah. come out and they'll do a full assessment of your desk and your yeah you, you can know. do it online too as a 40 they even take a course on ergonomics to set yourself up correctly oh, wow. okay. in your yeah, office yeah. yeah and i would say too about windows there's glare and make sh- making sure that you have the proper you know, uh, screen filters or yeah. the blinds in your office so that you're not blinding yourself. You are sitting in front of your computer a significant amount of time in, in an what office. What are the glasses? The, are yeah. they bl- the blue light? The glasses? blue light glasses. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know if they're. Yeah. If they work, but you know, I guess if you believe they work, maybe they work. Yeah, it's placebo. Uh, placebo effect. effect. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I. But they, some of them look super cool. So yeah, that's right, right. Yeah. And if you, I mean, if you wear glasses, anyways, I wonder if you talk to your optometrist, can you get blue light, um, blue light incorporated glasses within your prescription? I don't know. But then you're walking maybe. around blue light glasses. Oh, maybe. What? what do, like maybe the tra- their transitions though. They only activate when Ooh, you need them. Transitions. Yeah. Like the Matrix. Like the- <laughs> Neo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna. I mean, I think. I think we covered a lot of that around organization and mind space and workspace. Yeah. And just wanted to share that, you know, it is important to be organized. And it sends a message to your team as well. If you have stuff all over your desk, how do they know that you're focusing on them? How do they know that you, you've you got a, um, a list of to-do items underneath that pile of rubbish or pile of coffee cups? It's not a badge of honor that you sat at your desk and drank 17 cups of coffee in one day. It's kind of gross. And, you know, having a uh, clean environment is, uh, for me, and uh, is more approachable. I, I worked for somebody once, I won't say their name, but what they would do is when they were interviewing somebody, they would always walk them out to their car. And they would look inside their car oh, to cool. see to see what kind of a mess it was. And if they had a messy car, they knew that they would have a messy desk and or a messy, messy work vehicle. truck. Yeah. 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 And or they, you know, chronic smokers or whatever, chain smokers, and they would heavily weigh that decision based on how clean the inside of their car was. So I thought that was a pretty cool technique. Mm. Imagine he walked to the bus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's like, damn, this bus is damn clean. It's damn clean. You're hired. You're hired. <laughs> Give this guy a dollar twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna jump uh, topics. We're gonna go to hiding from our weaknesses as leaders, and for me, kind of an important topic and something that uh, I've had to grapple with over the years. There are some, I would say, things that. I, I'm weak, but I don't like at the same time. So yeah. uh, it, we're going to talk about weaknesses and, and liking or not liking things as well. So um, we all know we have weaknesses. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's Superman. Superman wasn't perfect. He had kryptonite. So Have you met uh, my wife? Well, no, Batman killed Superman, right? So... Um, I was a dig. I was digging into uh, digging into Trish. Sorry, Trish. Oh, I know you don't listen to these podcasts, but if you do, I love you. <laughs> He's lying. Um, so for, for me, you, knowing the weaknesses, accepting the weaknesses, understanding the weaknesses, and then trying to either skill up or skill out, right? And what I mean by skilling up is fill the gaps with learning, with knowledge, education, educational programs. And when I talk about skill out, just 
own the fact that you don't like doing it or it's not something that you want to learn or maybe you're just not strong at it yeah right and and find team members within your group that enjoy it and you can either do one of two things learn through them or transition that type of work to them and it could be accounting it could be uh, health and safety it could be yeah there's limitations to that right like i mean if you are a general manager with an organization and and you're like i don't really like to take monthly financial calls so i'm going to delegate that to my director it's like maybe there's some value there but i don't know how long how how yeah you you can't delay yeah you can't hide you can't some things you you, they're inevitable you have to just dig in and that's part of your role right but but i do agree in, in the sense that um you know, sometimes weaknesses are just things that you don't like to do, and that's why they're weakness. But you know, you don't probably. Well, sorry, I was going to say the the reverse of that. They're weaknesses because you don't like to do them, and you don't like to do them because they're weaknesses. Yeah, what and, and but the weaknesses could also be that you just don't enjoy them. So you you could still do them. You know, they're maybe not a weakness. You just don't like doing them, and so what you end up doing is procrastinating. Yes. Right. So you procrastinate. I don't. I don't like doing it, so I won't do it. I'll hold, push it off, push it off, push it off. And then the deadline shows up and you know you have to do it and you know you can do it. But crap effort equals crap result, right? So if you're not giving your 100% and it's a last minute you know, product that you're going to try to push out, the results will show. And that, that's you're not giving your full 100% effort on it. And I, I get it. I mean, you don't like doing it. You don't. You, maybe you're not getting the satisfaction out of doing it. It's just a kind of a... And ask, and there's some things that maybe reports that you you don't you don't see value in, but your boss sees value in for sure. Yeah, and yeah. you have to do it, and it's annoying, and maybe it's redundant because you've already do it somewhere else, and it's a software update or what have you. But it has to be done, right? So there and, are and there's you know there could be opportunities there to lead up. Um, I was also thinking about the word collaboration, right? So now you're bringing people in instead yeah. of somebody doing something for you, maybe you're collaborating. And I, I personally do think, and I've seen value myself in actually exposing your weaknesses to your team, letting yeah, them sure. know that, hey, I am weak in this certain area. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, I found myself to be a bit more respected and empowered when I admitted my weaknesses. Um, and that way, when I actually speak out in strength on a topic, I, I have more credibility um, because they know that I'm just I'm being honest with them. I'm an honest leader. They know that I'm coming from an honest place, and I'm not um, always hiding my cards, you know. So, stop with the ums. Oh, my um um. Yeah, um, oh, my mum. Um, oh um. Hey, we're working on it, so it and it's been getting. Well, I'm, so I'm one of my weaknesses is I say um a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, what? I think it's a podcast environment because I have a lot of notes, and I'm kind of just bouncing back notes. and forth on certain topics. Topics. And um, I have a hard time uh, sometimes keeping up with things. If you so. keep saying it, you're just going to keep saying it. Yeah, you're right. Re- remove it from your from your vocabulary. dialogue. Yeah, just yeah. all together. Yeah. There's a great TED talk on. It. I think I told you about that. Yeah. yeah it a just baby? totally deflates conversation. We're gonna. I'm gonna bring uh, a nine volt battery, and I'm gonna every time you say, oh. I'm gonna, you're gonna lick it. Like the <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's called shock therapy. Shock therapy. Remember, it was Ghostbusters Ghost opening scene. So good. So good. <laughs> Uh, okay, everybody. Um, I just said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I jinxed oh, myself. Wait a sec. Come on. Hit the pause button. We are going into the fun part of our leadership 
today. And we're going to talk about the classic martini, the 007 style, shaken, not stirred. Clint's going to prepare it while I'm I give you... I'm over to the bar cart. I'm over to the bar cart. I'm, I'm really proud of this bar cart. Um, and we, I'll tell you what um, gin we're going to be drinking and, and vermouth. But I want to give you the origin story from, I guess, Google. When we talk about the classic martini. So, classic martini was first made its grand debut... It's a bit murky, then this, this message will tell you. Uh, there is no specific evidence to prove it, but I love I love where we're coming with this, so I will show you, share it with you. It was created by a Death & Co. New York City head bartender, Havel Taft. What is known uh, is that it was created in the late 1800s and is the original recipe has equal parts London dry gin dry vermouth and surprisingly for me uh two dashes of orange bitters with a ratio of gin increasing gradually over the years um so one story claims the martini was invented in martinez california by a bartender making a celebratory drink for a gold miner after a big score i kind of like that kind of story 1800s uh, yeah that's cool we've got uh, gold miners, we've got orange bitters, which is su surprising to me because it, gin is already effervescent. There's so many flavors in, in gin. I can't imagine adding you know bitters to it, but that's what uh, it started with. So today we are going to be drinking the Aviation Gin, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds yes. uh, product. And if you guys know us well, that is... Um, the bottle on our logo which my name dons Clint's poured three ounces into the martini shaker with the martini Rossi dry vermouth he's shaking it you can hear that we've got two iced martini glasses he's shaking it. he's trying to crack it up the lid off perfect and this is this is a heavy alcohol content drink so he's pouring it equal parts in equal glasses and we've got uh three olives skewered and garlic olives and those garlic olives are our garnache there he goes he's adding the you olives twist lemon if you, want. you can you do it with a zest or twist of lemon you can also make this with vodka we prefer gin that looks delicious Gotta take the photo for our, our system. So Clint's gonna take our photo. This is a very, I would suggest for people drinking, this is a very dry drink. Thank you, sir. Okay. Clint's gonna get back on the microphone here. here I'm we back. Go. I'm back, He's baby. He's back. He's back. So, you know, normally I would um, maybe add an extra ounce of booze to each of these, but. Um, I didn't want to make them too strong. Too, too they smell, smell delicious. Uh, those olives, excellent choice. Oh, yeah. The excellent garlic stuffed olives from Costco. Costco. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nestravie. Cheers. Mmm. Beautiful. That's Beautiful. a one. 
I was going to say, that's a one sipper right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it. that's it, yeah. You know, so I added the vermouth into the shaker. Mm-hmm. I've seen bartenders actually, if you don't like it super dry, you actually just put the vermouth into the glass and you kind of twirl it around so it kind of oh, like a, and like a mist it. almost. Yeah, 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 almost like a mist, yeah. And then you just do the straight straight alcohol oh, right okay. in there. So, But this, I like it dry. I know you like your, your cocktails dry. dry. So yeah. this was a full yeah. half ounce um, for each of us. So All right, well... I mean, this is fantastic. If you if you enjoy a dry uh, martini or a dry drink, this is kind of your drink before dinner. I would say. I wouldn't say after dinner. This is kind of a more of a kind of a heavy. Yeah, you're gonna want to weigh this down with some food afterwards yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And don't have more than one if, unless you're not driving. Then yeah. you can have as many as you want. But yeah, be be responsible. Yeah, this is a lot of alcohol. Most actually, most restaurants can't even serve it the proper way, which is three and a half ounces of alcohol. Yes. So I think they got to tone it down a bit, two and a half and about a half, so about three in total. So all right. Anyways, uh, we can talk about that all night if we want to. Yeah, um, well, but uh, we got places to go and cocktails to drink. We cocktails <laughs> to drink. Uh, I will let everyone know that we are on Instagram now. Top shelf underscore the podcast. Unfortunately, I didn't do the top shelf one two three four five like Clint oh, did. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> it was available. It was available. Yeah. It just yeah. it just didn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see some pictures of uh, me and Clint, some videos where we're at, what we're working on, what we're doing. We usually uh, are in the coffee shop on Fridays, really, honestly, talking about leadership, talking about what we want to talk to you about, and and some things we've learned over the week or over the over our lives. But uh, just enjoy sharing with you. Uh, love you all, everybody out there. Thank you so much for everyone listening. Thank you so much for everyone engaging and and asking and and sending comments and and notes. Really appreciate you guys listening. You're the number one. This is the number one podcast listened to in my house. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I really threw you up there. (laughs) Yeah, we've broken a record. Um, No, I I mean, my sentiments exactly. And um, I said, I'm again, man. I'm going to work on that. I've got a problem. I need to go to therapy for my own. Fresh 9 volt battery. Yeah. No, hey, we should do that. I actually wanted to add that we're going to probably add a few more segments, not to increase time, but just a couple fun little segments, maybe a question and answer period, maybe possibly bringing in a guest soon here, doing a live video. So there's a few uh, more exciting things to come. If if this was a bit of a snoozer because it was a bit long, uh, stay tuned. We've got some exciting uh, content coming your way very shortly. Yeah, we've got an MMA, MMA fighter, a former Major League Baseball player, and a former guest model jeans um, uh, guest that will show up. Wow. So, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> her. Yes. It's okay. going to be great. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, everybody. Love you. Clint, little C. Thank you, my man. Yeah, thank you, sir. Getting better and better each and every time. Big J. All right. Love you, buddy. Okay, cheers. Bye.